Once we dive headfirst into a riveting discussion that has sent shockwaves through the financial world, strapping for an insightful exploration of Finance Minister Ken Oferata's bold defense of the Bank of Ghana in the wake of recent financial losses and bad press the central bank has been enjoying. This episode promises to unravel the complexities of Ghana's view uh, of these financial challenges and chart a path forward. Get ready for a thought-provoking evening of analysis, debate, and expert insight as Afon takes you to the heart of the matter. Joining me tonight is a powerhouse panel featuring former finance minister Sek Tepe, who will be joining us from his base in London, the esteemed dean of the School of Business at UCC. Sure should be joining us in this conversation too. But in studio is that astute assistant professor of accounting and financial management from the University of Sheffield, who we are likely to have in the Republic of Ghana this time around. Dr. Sharif Mahmoud Khalid, you're welcome, sir. Thank I you. hope you are doing well this evening. Fine. So many of you may not be aware that the ever distinguished finance minister of the Republic of Ghana, yes, delivered today, um, somehow Nicodemusly, a very wonderful defense of the Bank of Ghana. In the finance minister's defense, he really brought out the major issues happening, right from the history of the bank, praising the Bank of Ghana for posting very wonderful results between 2016 and 2020, making a lot of profit, helping the economy of the Republic of Ghana. He extended that and talked about how the Bank of Ghana has seen major changes, how the Bank of Ghana and the Ministry of Finance are coordinating properly to bring you the needed relief. Of course, he also admitted that there have been recent challenges in that sector, including the many difficulties that the central bank has gone through since COVID and also the compendium of factors government consistently raised as the problems that get, got, got us where we are today. Now, if you put on in the summary, the finance minister of the Republic of Ghana says, don't touch the Bank of Ghana. They did nothing wrong. We've been at this, and they've been delivering properly on their role. Tonight, we will break down the very statement from the finance minister. We will get to the bottom of it. We will explain to you and many people in this republic whether or not it represents the reality on the ground. And going forward, is there a way, and there's a chart or a very, a very small part where the finance minister has been suggesting, and for people who understand financial regulation, the way forward with dealing with the central bank, do we need to separate the role of governor from the, the person who chairs the board of the Bank of Ghana, do we need to reconsider the financial management tools we have had of the place? Is our financial regulation structure in and of itself defective? The finance minister has been speaking, and we will subject it to the needed analysis here on Upfront. I'll be starting in studio. Um, you're welcome, sir, once again. Thank you very much. Now, you've seen the statement, right? Yeah. What was your initial reaction from those of you who understand finance and how management of this kind happened? The, the, there was a lot of uproar when we had 60 billion loss at the BOG. There was a lot of uproar when we heard the BOG was also building what's supposed to be a new headquarters, a very gargantuan with a lot of money being involved in that expedition. Now, the finance minister says there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we should support the building of this structure in the first place. Yeah. And that it started well before all the difficulties that the BOG had came into place. How do you describe the release as a statement, the time it was released, and in a nutshell, what signal did this send to you? Well, I mean, uh, it's very interesting, and you gave the apt description to it by describing it as a Nicodemus uh, statement. 
which is worse. And I, I don't think the finance minister really speaks nicodemously. When he speaks, he speaks very loud. But I'm really wondering why the tone of this statement has been very low. It's, for me, when I read it, it's, it was a cocktail and a mixture of embarrassment and anger. I thought it was an insult to professionals. It was an insult to Ghanaians. And it was an insult to anyone who has anything or appreciation of finance. No, okay, so uh, we'll come to the finance bit quite soon. So if you see on your screen now, mm -hmm. now if you do get the point, the man argued that the central bank's assets in Ghana, it has grown significantly from 53 billion in 2016 to 126 billion by the end of 2022. And a percentage, which is over 138%. You see. Now, on the face of it, my, my question is whether or not this change, which might be factual, whether it takes into consideration the very difficulties or if you move it away from just being nominal figures, yeah. can we put it in the perspective of what has happened in the banking sector, including the liability side of the bank or Ghana's bank and shit, uh, in all of this? Well, Ray, we are looking at, if we look at it in absolute terms, we bring in percentages here mm -hmm. and look at the range within which it's, it tells you the kind of masking, right, or economic masking that has come to play here. Why 2016 to 2022? But we had a significant event, which is the IMF bailout. Mm -hmm. How is that factored in here? So can we have a breakdown of all of that, factoring in or taking cognizant of the IMF bailout? And what changes that has brought. But you cannot just have an external bailout come in. You lump things around and then you come out with absolute percentages to say that from 2016 to 2022, we've had asset increase. Right. No, I'm, I'm getting your point. But, yeah. but, but I mean, many will say that if the man is stating facts, be it nominal figures or so, th there's some good news to. So, but how do you account for IMF bailout? Remember, no, remember we had a, remember we, the bank, the central bank's balance sheets was bleeding before we had the bailout. Mm -hmm. Our reserves were depleted, right? It took the bailout to inject some sanity into the economy. And that's what is being reflected here. So can they account does, for the period of the bailout? Does this take right? Minus that, what do we have in terms of growth of assets? That's when we can begin to have a tangible and real conversation. I get your point. Does this take into consideration the liability side of the BOG's assets? Well, that's for, for them to break down. Because he's just giving us that this is what it is in assets from 2016 to 2022. So without a breakdown of that, and that tells you the kind of communication we're bringing in here and the masking that is already beginning to happen. But I'm wondering why this statement at this time. Because, you see, the title of the statement is that yeah. standing strong with the Bank of Ghana. Yes. Citizens. So ordinary citizens of this country ought to... No, but Ray, Ray, there's something fundamental no one is pointing out to the finance minister and the central bank governor. For me, I just thought that maybe the central bank governor, you know, he's eating humble pie. But for the minister to join, right, in the fray of undermining losses on a bank's balance sheet is worrying. But more so, I'm coming, okay. more so when the very instrument the bank or the central bank uses for its monetary policy is moral suasion. How do you use moral suasion and undermine losses on a bank's balance sheet? I get your point. Now, I need to get some clarity on this particular matter, too, because there is a lot more that's actually happening in this space. And I should be bringing in a man who's managed the finance ministry before. Mr. Tepe, if you can join us um, with your thoughts on this one, I would like to find out from you, because you've been there before, the, the indication we've gotten is that perhaps we are being too hard on the Bank of Ghana. 
Listen, this is a bank that's been doing pretty well until the recent, if you like, shocks push it out of gear. And if it says it posted a lot of the great record that the finance minister is putting out there, you would admit that this is good news, isn't it? Well, if, well, uh, are, if yes, if Sertepe joined us. Uh, yes, I'm joining you. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah, I can hear you. The question I was asking is, at the yeah, outset, at the, oh, okay, so I was expecting a response, so I, I wasn't think, hearing yeah. from you. Yeah, sir. I think I was, no, I was speaking, I was muted. So. Forgive me, all right, I'll get you, yeah. Mm. <clears throat> I think as the prof said, um, it, it gives you a picture of the magnitude of the fall, how deep Ghana had to fall. Remember that this is the first time we have heard about the government, you know, performing well. We were supposed to be doing fiscal consolidation. Um, uh, we, all of this has fizzled. So if this is the magnitude of reserves that the Bank of Ghana built, it begs the question, as Prof is saying, what happened? I heard you mention shocks. Don't forget that we had $6 billion, and I keep repeating, U.S. dollars injection into the economy, you know, to resolve that shock. If you multiply that by 10, that's $60 billion, and you can compare it with the $70 billion or so that GRA brings in annually. So, and if the economy was really growing, how come growth has lacking? How come we cannot pay our debt if we were performing that this well? So I think, you know, the statement, in a sense, is rather revealing to Ghanaian how deep and fast, you know, the fall has become. You mentioned nominal figures, right? You mentioned nominal figures, yes. But then by what percentage did the GDP grow? GDP, which is heading towards 800 million. What was it in 2016? And what were the inputs? Was it, did it not come from three oil fields? Did it not come from buffers? Did it not come from the inflows? Did it not come from, you know, the various uh, bonds that we issued? And yes, still, today, today, I think we've visited on the debt and others. But if you go to the reserves, what constitutes the petroleum reserves? They are depleted. We all know that the stabilization fund is flow is down to 100 million, and you won't see anything in it. This is a stabilization fund that was used to take off uh, nearly to test of his presidency as a force, you know, bonds. You know, so I think that um, without due respect, um, we should, this is not a time, you know, to be telling us, you know, how well Bank of Ghana was doing, how well we are doing. Was the essence of Bank of Ghana doing well to finance the entire deficit for the Ministry of Finance? I think that we should look at, you know, that seriously. That, Yes, if we can exonerate the Minister of Finance, can exonerate the Bank of Ghana. As we said, I have said already, as you published, that much of the problem we have is fiscal. And what we are being told is confirmation. After all, we know, you know, that Bank of Ghana finance 
you know, the government to the extent of, you know, some 40 billion or so. Uh-huh. We also know that Bank of Ghana during the crisis, the 6 billion I mentioned, includes 1.7 billion to support the budget. And we know that usually when the IMF in particular gives loans and resources to the country, it goes to the Bank of Ghana to strengthen its forex buffers, which is the reason why it's the bank that usually pays for those loans. How come part of the ECF was used for budget support? How come the entire one billion we went to the IMF board to ask for a waiver to use it to support, you know, the budget? How come part of the SDR, you know, went into supporting the budget? So I think we are getting close to the this statement tells you the real problem that we have. And if the economy were performing, how come we are taking money from pensioners, retirees, who have saved it? And then we call that a success, something to be proud of. I'm afraid that I can't agree with that. Uh, you know, so it gives us an opportunity rather to look at how gigantic, you know, the fall has been. How deep and fast you know, it has been. Is it not possible to state the positives and equally state the difficulties, as government puts it, and mostly called external pressures that this economy has suffered, so that it is balanced out in a way that we do not bastardize the central bank the way it has been done in the last couple of weeks, when it became obvious there was some 60 billion loss, when it became obvious there was some difficulty with a central bank having to get... We are moving in a new direction, moving forward and moving beyond smoking. We are Altria, and our companies are leading the way in moving adult smokers away from cigarettes by taking action to transition millions toward potentially less harmful choices as we move from being known as a tobacco company to being recognized as a tobacco harm reduction company. Altria is moving beyond smoking. Find out how at Altria.com. Macy's one-day sale starts tomorrow with great deals of the day on fall updates, like 40% off outfits for the office that work off the clock, too, and 40 to 60% off shoes, handbags, and accessories to finish your look. And get 25 to 40% off your favorite beauty, skincare, and fragrances. Plus, get free shipping with any online purchase of $25 or more at Macy's. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. What should we do with the broke propeller? What should we do with the broke propeller? Don't look at me, I wasn't driving. Thank you, you're not helping. I don't even know why you bought this boat. You told me that you loved this boat. That was before you wrecked the boat. Well, now you've made it awkward. Accidents don't just happen in sea shanties, so Progressive Boat Insurance has you covered. Take as little as four minutes to see what you can save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms and not available for all boats or in all situations a new head office. Is it not fair that a finance minister who has a fuller picture of the reality on the ground is able to put in perspective to the view and understanding of the people of this world, especially those who are not politicians and who are not partisan, so that they can appreciate how good and well the central bank has been run, perhaps until recently? The bits will be very healthy, right, if we are told the role of the Ministry of Finance in bringing down the central bank, the successful Ministry of Finance, sorry, the successful central bank. Because that is the crux of the matter. 
the crux of the matter is that the central bank balance sheet, you know, is at the moment not in good shape. The reserves which the central bank superintendent superintends. Remember when we talk about assets of the central bank, of course it holds some of them on behalf of the government and on behalf of the people of Ghana, or the people of Ghana. And part of those, almost all of those resources, the particular petroleum ones, but for the you know, for, if, but for the uproar that came, the heritage fund would have been depleted. It's the only one which, you know, has not been touched because of the opposition when it was meant to. So, uh, yes, we do acknowledge. And we do acknowledge that at various points in time, the Bank of Ghana was controlling interest rates. It, it was trending downwards. How come it turned around and all of a sudden, you know, jumped from, I think, somewhere closer to the single digit as they were aiming? All the way, you know, to 40, 50 percent. You know, Raymond, that's a question. For me, that's a relevant question. How come, you know, the reserves, that strong reserves, and what's the cause of those reserves being depleted? And where did they go? Such that, you know, in the recent fund statements, you know, we came down to 1.3 months of import cover. So I'm saying that, yes, Mm. we can acknowledge what the central bank has done. And now, we now remember when the central bank started increasing interest rates, you know, obviously, you know, to cure the deficit financing that had been done, I, I supported a move. You know, uh, many people did not agree with me, but there was no alternative left to the central bank than to use the instruments for which it is established, you know, to try and stabilize the economy. Uh, so we do acknowledge all those positives. No, no one is running away from, you know, some positives which the central bank has chalked. The central bank's initiatives on building, boosting our gold reserves, you know, and various other, you know, those are well known. The central bank's contribution, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, uh, uh, deepening the um, the use of electronic means of payment, you know, through the loans and things which have come from previous administration and which implementation is going, those are well known. So I don't think that is in question. But we are talking about the speed with which all those successes came to nail. The speed with which, you know, the reserves were depleted and the speed with which, if you want to believe it, we came to a point where we had to, you know, print, you know, money, you know, uh, deficit financing. That is is the crux of the matter. And I would have wished that the statement addressed also, you know, the role, you know, that fiscal agents and others also played, you know, in bringing the, you know, the, the the Bank of Ghana to that sad situation. That is the point I'm trying to, you know, to I'll, make. I'll, I'll get to that question, but th- there's a point, though. The picture painted there is a very performing Bank of Ghana, but in the IMF stated MEFP, it says the central bank's balance has been impaired and must be rebuilt. Yes, which wasn't technical cognizance of in the statement. Yes. A bit so, disingenuous there. So, uh, I, I'm just wondering, <laughs> whose words do we take? The finance minister or the IMS, uh, MEFP? No, but are you forgetting that the IMF has got a big watch money, the central mm. bank, as we speak now? They've got a balance sheet aspect. Okay, yeah. it's in there. Mm-hmm. So, there's no way the IMF would come out, lenders money come out, and speak negatively to the issue. But they had to tell us the impairment of what was happening. But, Ray, really, you look at all of this amidst all of the issues happening. We're talking about the central bank's independence and all of that, and the minister did emphasize that. But what's happening today? He's usurping, getting in, 
into the way of the central bank to back it. Where is this independence now? A finance minister jumped to, an to the defense of an independent central bank to say this is what it is, and these are the figures. But if these are facts, why should it? What, what, should, let, what should hold him back from actually stating well, that to the activities of, of the bank, the monetary policy, interest rate should speak for itself. Today, this, the very model that we use, right, as a measure of um, you know tools for inflation and the like. Okay. If we plot our, our activities into the Taylor Rule which is a model for the forecast. Where will we be today as a central bank? That is a clearer picture we should be talking about, right? Not bundling issues of 2016 to 2022 without actually disaggregating that and factoring in a bailout that we just recently had. Why is it that such statements were not coming out in the run-up to the bailout? You see, but there's a certain level of communication that this government keep pushing down the throats of Ghanaians well-meaning Ghanaians, which is that they think they are smart and they can get away with everything, right? You go to an IMF, you negotiate, you get it. So we had a record uh, time in securing an IMF bailout, and we should applaud them for it. Statement of fact, isn't it? Well, and what, what has a record time got to do? Have you ever had an IMF deal that's not gone through? But if it's done on time, it means that the people believe in our ability to bounce back the way we ought to bounce back. No, come on. But the IMF itself is in their interest that a deal goes through as fast as it goes. What are we talking about, Ray? So you don't think that that's something that we should... No, but how is that an achievement? No, how is that an achievement? Uh, you go to the bank for a loan and the loan officer is friendly to you enough to issue the loan and that's an achievement. It's not a testament to your credit worthiness. Oh, <laughs> yet you can go back to the financial market mm. yeah, or the capital to, market. Yeah. Mm. Right, so it's it's a favor that has been done, as, and I think that it's about time we should have bowed our heads in shame for even go, for a government that has you know beat its chest to say that I'm never going to go to the IMF. They said it on the floor of Parliament, they said it everywhere. Yet they went back and they are telling us this. And I don't think the media should be encouraging them to be doing these things. Mm. Now, right, we need to put their feet to the fire to speak. There's, now you're talking about the building, which yeah. We, yeah. Because the point is, at the time they were posting, the building no, but at the time, yes, they were posting losses. Right. Look at the timeline for the completion of the building. Have they ring-fenced the money for the building? Where's the money coming from? Not from the bank? Or it's coming from the finance ministry? No, it's actually from the central bank. Yeah, so that has been ring-fenced. Well, they said they because have you are reporting losses. Yes, they are. They yeah, have so you, so you, yeah, so you, 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 know, you report losses and you ring-fence money for a modern, or for a modern building. Mindful of the security and other implications of not having that kind of building. Well, so what, what compromises do they have in their current building? That, oh, no, they say that, that they've housed. No, what compromises? For example. No, they, none of us is against the building. We're just yeah. talking about timing issue. Here. Okay. So what is it? What is, it is it not fair that yeah. the time they started this building in 2018, yeah. the very difficulties that we are talking about today was not present, was not foreseeable? No, but they were talking COVID-19 at the time. They were talking Russia and Ukraine at the time. Yeah. Where, where in they? These were all up, ripe in the air. So if they were talking all of these things, was that the right time to prioritize a new building? Mm. You know, when they make their own statements, the central bank governor, they state that the idea, or mooting the idea to have had this building started in the 90s. And if it starts in the 90s, governors have come and gone. And when I read the statement, one of the most interesting bits, which I thought again was insulting to well-meaning Ghanaians, is that they said, okay, well, this is akin to Dr. Agamemnon's time. Mm. Goodness me, how do you go cherry pick, pick up an old governor up, dust him, and, and compare to a certain governor? But, Ray, another fundamental issue. Fact. Right, right. GK governor's time had the same scenario. Yeah, but what's similar. the justification here? What is it? Were there haircuts in, in, in governor's time? 
Where they did? How many times did Agama go to the capital markets? They ran out of credits on the. So they should bring out the figures, and we can juxtapose that, make a clear comparison, to actually come out with this. But doing that, I think that is is insulting to the legacy of Agama. They should just deal with what the issues are and speak to them, rather than these needless comparisons of cherry picking Germany, UK, and losses that are not comp- like you know having an apple and orange comparison. Mm-hmm. as to what these economies are and what we also have. So I, I think that it's more of a PR gimmick. When I read the statement, it looks like one written by a PR professional and imbued with the biblical quotes of the finance minister. But in all fairness, there's nothing wrong with PR, right? I mean, clearly. The no, but if the PR... Institutions no, engage no, but, if the, but if the PR is very basic, mm-hmm. bland, vanilla, and insulting... There's something wrong with it. I would like you to explain to me the insulting <laughs> part, but let me yeah. bring in uh, Mr. Tekpa on this point about um, that pinning this thought is the thinking among some people. So what is, to your mind, the role of the finance ministry in getting the Bank of Ghana to the corner it finds itself that a defense is warranted at this time? I think the governor, one is superfluous because the governor has already issued a statement Restating many of these these issues, if you if you understand, of course, is a role, you know, of the of the minister for finance, who is in charge of the macroeconomy, you know, to also talk about, you know, monetary issues, which is part of the issue. And I, and, and let me say that, you know, at the point when the city was depreciating fast in 2013, you know, yes, I I if you remember, I conducted a media brief to outline you know, fiscal and other measures that were being taken, including the uh, we were going to program cocoa flows into the economy, which came at, across as defending, you know, the central bank. So one is not faulting the Minister for Finance for that, but we're talking about, you know, looking at the situation which the country is today. Uh, Raymond, let me make a couple of points. You spoke about the NEF. That's the Memorandum of Economic and Financial Performance. Yes, the memorandum and the yes, the MEFP, right, Mm -hmm. and the letter of intent, which is signed by the governor and the minister for finance, go together. So that is a government input into the IMF program. So the minister, you know, it's it's not an IMF, you know, input. IMF actually it tells you those two documents tell you the perspective of government, you know, as part of the negotiations. You know, and so if there are concessions and things that are being made, and the truth is coming out of it today, we should see, you know, um, you know, a government that is now telling us some of the key issues that were confronting, you know, the economy. The other point is, I remember, again, that I come to the point. Remember that for us to achieve domestic debt exchange success, the Bank of Ghana had to, you know, virtually right off, you know, the debts that government owe to it. Some of those debts are not new. Yes, of course. But that itself is going to have a long-lasting effect on the central bank because it means that the borrowing that the um, Bank of Ghana did, even if it's within the 5%, on which government has to pay interest, right, because those were funds for the are not going to be there. And that means that it means the recovery of the central bank itself you know, uh, much bigger. And as uh, Prof mentioned, remember we were winning ourselves of the, you know, of the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the IMF, only for us to succumb and to come to all of this. 
And so what is this boldness that we're talking about? Prof already mentioned, you know, our tendency to compare ourselves, you know, to other central banks. Remember, just before we could not pay our debt, and that is the truth we must face. We are not able to pay our debt, and that's why we have to get ahead. And just before we got, you know, to, to that point, we were compare, making the same comparisons and saying, after all, the debt of Japan, the debt of the debt of uh, uh, the debt of uh, UK, US is above hundred percent. You know, so what's wrong with it? You can compare now where we are with the stability of those countries, whose debt, some of whose debt are still above 100%, and are able to issue, continue to go to the bond market and others, and issue. That's the difference. Mm. The difference what, is when that you we hear, have come for to example, rely, yes. we have, excuse me, the, the, the difference is that we have come to rely almost exclusively now on only T-bills, you know, and loans from the multilateral and others to finance our budget. That is a crucial difference. So, we must cut our quota according to, you know, or as a monkey's play by sizes, and we should. Because even when it comes to, to Africa, we should be looking to things which Botswana and others are doing, which is some of which are in the very, you know, uh, buffers that were built, which are depleted today, as I said. I get you, but I need, to, I need to press you further on this point. The, the, the argument is that, listen, regardless of the negative equity that that central bank is having today, they still met their policy objectives. In fact, they moved on to actually give you some uh, supplementary evidence to support the fact that all is not lost and this central bank is more likely to recover earlier than many people thought would be the case. Nobody is wishing the central bank here, right? In the interest of disclosure, I sat on the central bank board for three and a half years, close to four years as a deputy minister. And I know the metal, you know, of, you know, some of the staff who are there. In fact, at the time, the current governor was head of research before he left, you know, the, the country, you know, to, you know, and I know them. I don't want to you know, go personal, but I know, you know, the, the quality, you know, of uh, technocrats that are there, many of them with their PhDs and, you know, so that is true Point that we are making. So are we being unfair to Gabnardison then? The point I'm making is the extent to which, you know, how come the Ministry of Finance itself should move? That's a question. From zero financing, which was silent in 2016. It's, the statement is silent on that. But that how cannot be blamed on Gabnardison. The question I'm asking is, are we then being unfair to Gabnardison then? Do you want me to come in here? I just made a point. I just made yeah. a point that nobody is taking any success away from government. And if anything, the tea that we have, and I made a point that they have issued a elaborate statement, which some of us keep saying, should draw attention to the extent to which the fiscal has come to destroy the bank. Okay, that is the point I'm okay. making. Which fiscal policy, which is driven by the so, by the bank of by the finance ministry? Yes. The only point, the, the main point where I have always been open and have said was that. At a point when the central bank was financing the deficit, which was approved by parliament through an appropriation act, when they were called upon, they should have gone to parliament on the premise that they are going not on on somebody undermining the independence of the bank, but being on the point of transparency and accountability to the people, to the uh, people's representative. You've been finance minister. Was it possible? Was it possible ever? For the governor of the Bank of Ghana to say to the face of the finance minister, listen, I won't let you push me into this corner. 
have a lot of independence in the very act that establishes my office, and I'm not going to go in this direction. Was it possible for the central bank to do so? You think if, if it wasn't possible, we could have achieved zero financing? We also had an IMF program, if you remember. It wasn't possible for the, you know, for the, remember, the zero financing comes out of a memorandum that is signed between the Minister of Finance and the, you know, the central bank, which ideally should be, and I keep stating that it should be five point, the five percent is the most, you know, reasonable thing to do, especially when you get into a downturn, right? So we have had, so if we achieve that, if we achieve that, it tells you, that you were also facing a central bank that wasn't willing to, and the third fiscal dominance was there. When we're talking about all of this, in the, in the go to the 2023 IMF program, you see it. Sorry, the 2015 IMF program. Fiscal dominance was there. And there was concern. There was concern that, you know, one, we were borrowing significantly, particularly for single spine the rest, which is why we had to negotiate with labor. Those are the practical things. We had to reduce expenditure. We are refusing to reduce expenditure. So there were practical things that were done to achieve that. Of course, you could have gone to the central bank and asked for savings to pay contractors. We did ESLA in order that we can pay contractors and Perhaps. the rest. And that's imposition of tax, which is fiscal. So that is the difference. Perhaps on a decision that, that is the difference. Perhaps on a decision that was not forced down the throat of the central bank, having to build a new headquarters. You've been minister before. You've said on that central bank's, what they call the board in times past. Was it a poor decision in 2018? Continue that project up to this time. Is it still a poor decision to continue the building of that particular edifice as new headquarters of the central bank? Look, the issue of central bank space has always been, you know, there. A lot of the central bank staff are currently in the city building, which which was taken over from Agri-Development Agri Bank. So the city house, a lot of central bank staff who are there mm. currently, you write, uh, the point being made, as Prof mentioned, right, if there is a justification for it, the point being made is, just as on the fiscal side, we suspended, you know, the largest portion of the e-schools because crude oil prices and things are falling on the fiscal side, the point that's been made is that in a period of austerity, let us be seen not to be extravagant. And, you know, that is putting aside the issues that are coming up as to who the contractor is, as to whether processes were followed or not. The, the key point is that at the point when the bank was lending to government and was going down, should it have occurred, you know, to the bank that it is time, you know, to uh, probably, you know, uh, uh, limit, you know, uh, or suspend some of these initiatives, right? Especially even if it's for know, modernizing when, the operations of the central bank, even if this institution is supposed to help modernize the operations of perhaps our central bank. Look, let me give you an example. When the news came up, right? Of course, it became partisan that the central bank had built a hospital. First class. I don't think Ghanaians went out to criticize the, you know, the central bank. It was seen as part of corporate social responsibility because, after all, in some countries, when the central bank makes profits, the bulk of it is taken to the Ministry of Finance, right? But you did, you didn't see so much waste in that profit. So that tells you that the way we are with which the central bank can do things 
like the uh, another one is the conference center which is named after you know the, the late vice president the city conference center you know in uh, at Legon and many other projects which the central bank has supported them at the time when the balance sheet was healthy and i think that we should have that balance view you know that when the central bank makes profits and it thinks that its budget is, budget is strong it back from projects obviously projects which served you know i know about you know schools primary schools and others which were constructed by this you know board of the central bank and you know previous ones but many people did not even hear about many of these because the central bank was not in trouble so i think that we should we should get that perspective clear. All that Ghanaians are saying is that it is hard time, everybody is sacrificing, and it's at about time, you know, the central bank, you know, probably stalled all that. Of course, there were other issues that have been raised. I'm not justifying, you know, those issues. So okay. I'm only explaining. Okay. There were issues that were raised with respect to cost, with respect to, you know, the contract, who is better, and all that. Those are issues which came after, you know, the consent that this is not a time when you are making losses to embark on that. There are, questions. there are questions being raised about the propriety or the lack thereof of the current structure of financial regulation in the country. I'll come to you. Even the finance minister of the Republic of Ghana believes there's a need for a debate on whether or not the current regulatory structure ought to be maintained. Who is in charge at the Bank of Ghana? the continual role of a chairman and also governor at the Bank of Ghana equally ought to be reviewed. Those are some of the proposals coming from the finance minister. Those are things I'll be asking you for some thoughts in a matter of minutes from now. But let me come into studio. We've been talking about this uh, role and what they can do, policy direction. I mean, uh, 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 Dr. Khalid, yeah. in a sum, some believe that going forward, the Bank of Ghana should be bold and insist that there are things we cannot do, no matter what, uh, where the pressure is coming from. All right. I think uh, a lot is already ongoing. And as I, from where I sit and look at the model of the central bank in terms of its governance structure, most often than not, we tend to have what I term a, a dangerous hybrid. And by a dangerous hybrid, we tend to have a combination of um, the UK-centric perspective and the US-centric perspective. And we combine them, we localize it, and it turns out not to be what it is in the winner uh, for all kind of democracy. Okay. Then, for instance, I mean, let's go back to the central bank's board. You've got a computer here. You could Google it up and see board members. Mm -hmm. I'm not doubting the competence of anyone, but we probably want to see expertise and correlation to the basic function and fundamental role of a central bank. Right. Again, uh, you know, something fundamentally as I browse through that coming, again, I, I don't have anything personal to do with anybody. But in going through, I saw that there was a former in-house counsel mm. who now sits on the central bank's board as a non-exec. From a corporate governance perspective, I don't know how the bank justifies and explains this, but with a bank that superintends over corporate governance or other financial institutions or significantly financial institutions, it ought to be explaining this position and for us to have a full appreciation to understand these things. Because what you practice or what you preach is what you should be practicing because they have a big role to play. Mind you, in the last cleanup we had in the banking failure, corporate governance was at the fulcrum of it, and it played an integral role. So looking at this is very important. But you look at the appointments mm -hmm. to the board of the central bank. We, we can come to the monetary policy later. We look at the board itself, in and of itself, where you have majority of its members appointed by the president. You have a representation from the finance ministry, most often than not, you have deputy finance ministers sitting there and all of that. Then 
you have the governor who chairs. Right. So you see the kind of U.S. centricism happening here. But in the U.S., what happens is that the chair does not sit or chair the Fed for it has a stipulated duration within which they can chair for and rotates within state central banks or federal reserves. You see where it comes from. And in the U.K., you would find that these members are appointed by the crown. Yeah. And not the, yeah. so you see the difference, and how when we come, we have a sort of like lethal cocktail that tend to sort of not give us the broader and picture of a real governance structure that we need to have for our central banks, and that drills the kind of independence we are talking about here. Now, I, I, get, I get your point. I, I was just bringing other people who have actually been having thoughts on the central bank's management and the system that ought to change. And I'm sure if Dr. John Baden joins us in this conversation, we sure will be having some thoughts from him as well. But I'm coming to you, Mr. Tekbe. What should we do, mindful of the current happenings and the most recent developments at the central bank, with how it is regulated, how it is operated, and how it is currently structured? The issues coming out are one, legal, for example, to what extent should the central bank, you know, finance the budget? It's in law. 5% of prior year, previous year revenue. So that's a legal issue. If we have reason to raise or lower it, it is good economics, it's good accounting, and it's it makes the Ministry of Finance sit up, you know, and you know, gets resources to manage the economy. Of course, there's exceptional provision in situations like COVID where, you know, the declaration can be made by the governor and uh, some more could be given. The issue is whether such a rule, emergency, should remain with cabinets or with, you know, the governor. That is one issue more than the legality. I've already mentioned, I don't want to belabor the point, that we should also, after you know many years of operation, you know, look at independence versus accountability. Remember, it's not that falling from the you know uh, the four the three arms of state itself, you know, and the disposition given to the media commission. This is not the only point at which we are talking about independence, independence of the Supreme Court, independence of the legislature, you know, against what is perceived to be a powerful executive. So if you draw the analogy against what is perceived to be, you know, a powerful Ministry of Finance that can make, you know, the central banks come. And this is where we are seeing the solution, often, as in the U.S., right, is for the governor to go to the people's representatives, committees, not the whole house. The committees are at least who will then report to the whole house for the reports to be. So we should separate accountability Maybe it's time to examine whether we want to separate accountability from independence. Remember, GRE has operational independence. Okay. So finance, mm. you know, there's only, you know, the policy part. GRE has unfettered operational independence. Mm. And the Minister of Finance cannot interfere, you know, with that function. But when it comes to accountability, the GRE commissioner is accountable to parliament as part of the budget that is prepared, the revenue side of the budget, and the performance and the input, you know, for that, you know, comes, you know, from after all, comes from the from GRE, whose commissioner, like the governor, you know, cannot be the one moving legislation and motions and other things, you know, in parliament. There's a bigger uh, issue also. 
I just know that you come back to this point, but I need to bring it because I've been keeping on hold for a while now. Dr. John Baden, and he's so critical yes. to this conversation because this is a man who's in times past dragged the central bank to court, insisting that they should do some specific things. He's written consistently and proficiently on how best to run the central bank and the very things they should be focusing on. Dr. Baden, you're welcome to our front. Thank you. Now, let me start from this point, though. This conversation is premised on a, a very wonderful love letter to the people of this republic from the finance minister defending the central bank, mindful of the recent buhara about its operations and its conduct as a central bank. Basically, the finance minister has been saying that central bank has been doing its job, recently had some difficulties, but it's likely to recover anytime soon, and we should not be bastardizing that institution. From your experience, is it appropriate, the kind of structure we run today as our central bank? The kind of what? Structure we run today as our central bank. Oh, <laughs> well, um, then it's just so I, if I understand you correctly, you are trying to ask me if I think that uh, the legal framework in which the central bank operates is optimal or yeah. is... I, yes. Yeah. Well, I, I think not. Or even if it is... Uh... Macy's one-day sale starts tomorrow with great deals of the day on fall updates, like 40% off outfits for the office that work off the clock, too. And 40 to 60% off shoes, handbags, and accessories to finish your look. And get 25 to 40% off your favorite beauty, skincare, and fragrances. Plus, get free shipping with any online purchase of $25 or more at Macy's. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Uh, the central bank uh, uh, is not is not a compliant institution because you know uh, it hasn't really fulfilled any of its mandates. So the central bank, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, has just not been uh, people oriented. It just it's not it's not been it's not been law compliant. So that, that's all I can say. I mean, because the law says that it must provide a stable currency. The law says that it must make sure that there's price stability in the country. But these two major mandates, it has, it has completely failed. I mean, and more recently, because of what has happened, people are beginning to point accusing fingers. The finance ministry believes that this is unfair to the central bank. Well, I mean, what do you expect? Uh, you know, uh, it's camaraderie. I mean... Uh, uh, they, you know, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's, 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 it's rough now that uh, the finance minister will, will say something to uh, back, you know, the governor or the central banker. Uh, but uh, the reality is that we, the people, we don't steal the central bank. You understand? The that's, question... that's the reality. Mm. I mean, all that, I have read the, uh, the memo or the, the write-up, but uh, I mean, there's nothing but a few good you know, write-ups. But uh, the reality is that uh, the central bank has just failed on its mandate. Uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it hasn't served as well. Are there repercussions for failing on your mandate as a central bank? Or we just... Well, that is, that is why I petitioned the Attorney General and he, you know, he refused to be... He didn't even acknowledge. 
which is, you know, terrible. Uh, that's why I petitioned the attorney, because, I mean, somebody must, must hold them accountable. And who is there to hold them accountable? Nobody. So that is how come we are in this situation. I mean, we don't have any structure or any measure or any institution that makes sure that, makes sure that the central bank is in compliance with the law. It's I also sued, I went, you know, because of that I sued at the, central, at the Supreme Court. That also, I didn't really get, you know, the kind of backing that I was looking for. Is there a lost cause then? Can we fix the central bank? Well, we the people must, must, must wake up and then um, have a dialogue over a central bank. Central bank. Central banks are created for a purpose. And whatever, you know, that we, must, we need to ask ourselves, uh, the purpose for which the central bank was created, is it fulfilling that purpose? If it's not, then, you know, either we shut it down or, you know, we just do something about it. I am grateful to you, Dr. John Baden, and he's a law lecturer, and I'm coming in studio for some concluding remarks. First and foremost, with you, sir. Yeah, Ray, uh, just to follow up from what uh, uh, Dr. Baden that you'd realize as we talk about independence and likes mm -hmm. of that, and I talked about a lethal cocktail we have. Mm -hmm. In the U.S., the shareholders of the, what, the Federal Reserve yeah. are banks, are national banks, actually, yeah. the likes of J.P. Morgan. The list goes as long as 100 plus. You, you, you get it? So in that case, there can be real accountability. So it's about time we actually delink this sort of um, lethal, what I call the, le the lethal cocktail of uh, uh, UK-centric and US-centric perspective of doing things and try to really localize and see what is fit for purpose for us. But you made a very fundamental point, and I thought that you'd have done the same for WEMPA, right, where you kept saying, should, should, uh, should, uh, should we be calling for the head of, uh, of Addison? But you know, that, the politics of the central bank used to stay away from our useless everyday politics. We never involved it. Yeah. But to, it took the politics of 2015 to bring the central bank into the fray of our national politics. By we, the elite who thought that it was good to bring that in to denigrate a certain political party to kick it out, then we started to say Wempa must go. Dr. Nashru and um, uh, able deputies, yes, yeah. uh, Dr. Isiyama, we're doing a fantastic job. Why do we have to let them go? Immediately a government came in, they kicked them off. So this is the kind of things that we have, and these are the kind of arrangements we need to have to really have longevity, to have professionalism, to have democracy within that. And as uh, my uh, senior comrades at Tech Credit Nikkei, they are really hardcore technocrats who know their stuff sitting in the central bank. But at the apex, we try to take our politics there to derail their efforts. But no I think we need the to number of technocrats that appear in that institution, yeah. if they are not achieving the goal, I mean, merely having competent people is a means to an end. Yeah. The end is ensuring the development of this country and delivering on your specific mandate enshrined in the Constitution. Exactly. That's so that, by giving so it that to deliver that. By giving it that independence, central banks will stop underwriting governments. Or when they are to, write, to underwrite governments, they will do that with prudence. Even when they feel that they have some allegiance or so to the government of the day. Well, should they, that's, we're talking independence, so where lies allegiance? It should be about the people of Ghana, their mandate. And the core duty of a central bank should be what? The core duty of a central bank is not to underwrite a government or a government that's gone recklessly or gone rogue on the capital markets, on a borrowing spree without factoring in the real appreciation and fundamentals of the economy. And today it's all come back at us. 
Now, the minister who is in charge of finance, uh, Mr. Tekpe, has proposals. He's asking for a debate. Perhaps our conversation is supposed to be headed in that direction of that debate. But is there an end in sight where we have a proper central bank delivering the goals it's supposed to deliver so that the people feel the benefits of having that institution in place tangibly? The central bank is part of the economy. Mm. And let me emphasize. And um, let me also emphasize that, you know, the current governors of the central bank are technocrats in their own right. I think that the question, and then let me make restate the point by way of summary that the constitution, as well as the Bank of Ghana laws, is not just one law. There are others we deal with other aspects of operations. It has significant provisions. For example, to what extent should the central bank finance governments in normal times when there are, you know, small hitches here and there? To what extent should the central bank come in when, you know, uh, there is a, a, when the economy takes a major hit like COVID, like the global financial crisis? Remember that when the global financial crisis came and later COVID, central banks played a key role. The central bank in the U.S., you know, that's what we call the quantitative easing, the term that has come, but, you know, uh, uh, securities. If the central bank's reserves had not been depleted, the central bank would be buying some of the securities, the bonds, which are due to pensioners and the rest. That is, if the hit that the economy is taking is a true and genuine one. You know, but we have depleted those reserves, the reserves within the central bank. And when the Fed sold back those documents, uh, securities, you know, on the stock exchange, you know, much of the resources went to the U.S. Treasury which is the reason why they didn't have to go through those rounds when COVID hit, the buffer from the, that, the profits that were made. So the central bank has a very key role to play. And let me also touch on another point. Well, I personally, um, as I said, the central bank is full of technocrats. And maybe after a period of, say, three, four, two years, we shouldn't have any reservations, you know, if former technocrats who are served on the central bank you know, can come and be members of the central bank board. You know, Australia okay. will be sharing, you know, their, you know, enormous, you know, experience. So, you know, now we have been having hybrids and a review of the constitution has been called. Remember that our parliament itself is a mixture of the pure executive where ministers do not, are not members of parliament. Mm. That's the U.S. presidential and then the Westminster, which we practice, and we practice both, where, you know, the entire cabinet and ministers are, you know, MPs. We have a situation where 50% must come from parliament. Well, is this a good model, you know, or not? So one is so much against compromises. That's the points that we are making, you know, in having, you know, former, you know, staff and things. In fact, I, I don't see any reason why a former governor, for example, could not at any point in time, once his policy rule and everything has has gone, you know, some years, as is usually the case, even in corporate. Otherwise, we'll be losing, you know, the, of course, they can be appointed advisors to the president, you know, and the rest. You know, so the issue confronting here with the statement is that one is not questioning 
you know, the performance of central banks in the history of this country. But I think what is missing in the statement is a role, and I think it should have, which should have been addressed, is one, the contribution which Ghanaians have made to an expanding economy, which by using nominal figures, you know, for the performance of the central bank reserves, leaves out. This is why inflation is measured in real terms, for example, or you'll be doing injustice. Leaves out the fact that Ghanaians had invested in three oil fields before the onset of the current administration. The financial and other sectors were growing, you know, way back from, you know, uh, his service era and through that Amir's, Mills Muhammad. Okay. So to to take the combination of all, all of this and attribute it, you know, to one bank, one central bank, I think it's not. And then finally, it leaves out, you know, the role which the Ministry of Finance played, the role of fiscal in the current state, you know, of, you know, the central bank. And particularly the fact that the central bank has had, apart from financing the deficit to the tune of 1.7 billion, you know, and then further coming to finance it again, almost the entire deficit, you know, apart from this financing, remember the central bank balance is also depleted by the fact that it will be depleted because it came after, you know, that statement will be depleted by the fact that it is forgiving debt which so, government owes it. I think and you should forgive me because fiscal. my time is up. And I, I, I think that we should have more conversations like this in the future. Many thanks to you, Mr. Techpet, Dr. John Baden, and Dr. Sharif Khalid. I really have to go now. Forgive me. We should do more before you leave to London. Many thanks to you also for joining tonight's episode of Upfront.